Today's episode of Quality Control is brought to you by Loot Crate. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Then you are going to want to look into Loot Crate. It's a subscription box for you. You get $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear uh, with a different theme every month. And if you go to lootcrate.com control and enter the code control, you can save $3 on any new subscription uh previously they've had uh, boxes from franchises like star wars marvel walking dead legend of zelda uh i got a time travel box last month which is a bunch of bill of ted and back to the future stuff in it very cool uh this month's theme is combat suit up choose your allies and enter the arena for this box they're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from blizzard fallout 4 capcom and uh got loot from hunger games uh, as well as some more items that will make winners emerge victorious. You know, like in the Hunger Games, how sponsors do. Uh, it, you really have to see the movies. If, if you've seen the movies, then that'll make sense. Otherwise, it's just going to sound like I'm talking nonsense. This doesn't matter. What matters is Luke Craig is a, like a friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present every month. And they shipped over 13 different countries. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. You miss out. It's over. So go to LootCrate.com slash control and enter code control to save $3 on your new subscription today. My guest today is Arthur Geese here to talk about his review of Fallout 4. My name is Justin McElroy and you're listening to Polygon's quality control. Arthur Geese, my number one question, what bizarre song from the 40s have you had stuck in your head for the past two weeks oh man i you know it's weird I, I think that we talked about this a little bit in our sort of group chat uh that some of the music has sort of transitioned uh to the 50s and a little bit of the 60s but uh honestly i, I feel like every time the ella fitzgerald stuff comes on the radio that, that gets stuck mm-hmm. in my head um and there are a lot more women actually a lot of female artists in the game uh, when previously it was pretty dominated by by male artists of the 40s and 50s, so that's been interesting. Yeah, uh, the 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 two Betty Hutton tunes that are in it are actually really good, and I'm not, she's not somebody that I was familiar with. Yeah, yeah, uh, before, but yeah, really, really super good. Um, but uh, this is this is this is not the most important thing. Um, for us to talk but about, but isn't it though? Isn't the radio isn't one of the most w- important things about Fallout? I got to be honest. I was hoping for a lot more '40s music. I didn't really get that, but that's okay uh, because there's some good tunes in there. Um, that fucking Civilization song <laughs> stuck in my head again for a hundred years. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about Fallout 4, the game. Um, and and honestly, in a way, uh, I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4. In a way, it's kind of appropriate that some of the um, the the music has transitioned over from Fallout because, in a lot of ways. This feels like, in more in in more than uh, a lot of sequels, I think this feels very much like not. Uh, it has kept a lot of the DNA of Fallout Three. Would you would you say that's fair to say? I, I think that the skeleton is largely the same. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, which is sort of Bethesda's thing is that the skeleton has always existed, um, and the just from a sort of 
mile high view, I think that it looks like a very, very similar game. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that just from a sheer mechanical standpoint, everything that was in Fallout 3 and honestly in Skyrim has been improved uh, considerably. Like just the basics, the sort of meat of a video game in Fallout 4 are much better developed than they were in Fallout 3 or Skyrim. And then on top of that, I think that there are some pretty major new systems, especially for Bethesda, that that can change the game, but are not absolutely required to play it. Um, I get this, every time I play a Bethesda game, I get this weird uh, fear of missing out, this FOMO. Yeah. If you will, yeah, uh, because I'm always worried that there's something really cool that I'm gonna miss, uh, ha- it, it, which often leads to me walking down a lot of blind alleys and going places that I probably didn't need to go or, or wasn't important that I go. How much do people miss if they don't like explore a ton and and get out there and and look in every nook and cranny? I mean, I feel like if you're not really looking in the game, that you're kind of missing a lot of the point. Um, and I touch on this a little bit in the review in that Bethesda's open world games, especially since arguably Oblivion and definitely with Fallout 3, have become much more about sort of exploring this this world like and learning about it and sort of seeing what used to be as it is whatever various activities that they've managed to cram in it. Like a lot of open world games ape the Grand Theft Auto style of mini games and like look at all these real life things we can squeeze into this simulation but that's not what what Bethesda's open world games are so I think that it, that being the case you can definitely miss a lot of stuff if you don't explore but I also think that this game is better about leading you around the world by following the quest and story content um we have had we had a lot of questions uh, from from listeners, uh, and the number one question that I've gotten, uh, and this is really shocking to me, but it's from people who have never played a Fallout game and are wondering if this is an okay place to to hop on board. I, I think so, actually. Uh, interestingly enough, um, because I, I I don't think that Bethesda has really done this before in one of their games. There is an extensive sort of opening that really establishes what the world of fallout was uh before it ended um and the the context and information that you get about fallout i think is is actually much more articulate and clear than it's ever been so i think people who have sort of casually played the fallout games over the past however many years will learn things or have things sort of made clear to them right away that never really were um and i think it doesn't rely on that familiarity with other stuff. I do think that uh, there are certain things that will seem richer if you've played Fallout 3 mm-hmm. in particular, and also New Vegas. Uh, like, if you are in a lab and you see a building that mentions FEV, uh, you'll know what that is if you're, like, sort of a, a person into Fallout. And if you don't, then once you go in there, you'll start to learn what it means. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that it's definitely the most sort of immediately accessible game that Bethesda has made, um, at least until the first time it kills you. 
Uh, yeah, the the difficulty is is a little wild. It doesn't put up a lot of uh, signposts in terms of where it is okay for you to be, like when you are completely outclassed. Usually the only way that's communicated to you is you get absolutely eviscerated. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that we've probably talked on this before about how uh, I feel like a lot of games have a limited means of communicating with the players and the ones that rely the most on death can be the most frustrating. Uh, mm. And I think that that can be the case in Fallout, that like it's it's chief way of informing you that you are maybe ill-prepared to be somewhere you're going is to kill you. Um, I think that it can be less frustrating in this because you can save all the time. Um, and they've actually, they being Bethesda, uh, Bethesda has gone sort of out of their way, even for console players, to to make quick saving so painless that to not do it seems silly. Um, yeah. But it is, it, it can it can be pretty hardcore. <laughs> It's worth noting, you, you can do that, by the way, during conversations. Yes. So if you have, like, a charisma check, uh, you can try that as many times as you want. Yes. Um, uh, and actually, it's kind of fun in some... There's one really good scenario where, like, somebody's held hostage, and uh, you have to... Ki- they're going to kill the hostage if you don't do and say the right things. Uh, and trying to do that encounter over and over and over again and try to figure out a way to save the hostage was actually really was really enjoyable. It's something that made me happy that the quick saving was so sort of painless. Yeah, I think I spent about um, 30 minutes on that part, like trying yeah. to to figure out various ways to do it. Um, did you did you figure it out? I, I did. I tried a lot of different ways to to do it physically, uh, to to just be the ultimate badass and eventually I did just sort of equip myself to n- navigate that conversation in the best way possible instead. You know what I did? I popped some jet. <laughs> That's what I, that ended up being my secret is I popped jet and shot everybody. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, one of the big facets of the, of this in terms of like, if you, if you want to point to big new additions in Fallout 4, it's this idea of being able to construct bases and build up these communities. Uh, it, everything from like uh, building shops that you can shop at to uh, growing plants and building furniture, even homes for people. Um, it's really neat. It's really, uh, like, it's not particularly complicated to try to figure out. But the thing that I am struggling with is I don't I don't necessarily understand why I would want to do it past the, the, the initial village that I sort of have decided was my home base. What, what, what am I missing, yeah, if, you, if anything? I, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not really totally sure what the settlement endgame is. And that's... That's sort of the the key admission in reviewing a game like this is that like there is literally so much stuff in this game that I don't know how you would authoritatively talk about all of it without writing a book. Um, and so I don't know. I know that the, the settlement stuff, the bigger that a settlement is, the more secure it tends to be, uh, the more populated it is, the more secure it tends to be from attack. Um, I don't really know what happens when it when a settlement gets attacked and like the settlers get killed because i really only saw attacks at my main sort of hub which is where all my companions lived who made quick work along with my defense turrets of raiders and super mutants that decided that they wanted a piece of what i had <laughs> um so so i don't know i i re- i i realize that that might not be the thing that people want to hear but there is enough stuff in this game that I just don't know how it all plays out. 
what have you been hearing about performance on the the different consoles? Oh, I'm really sad that you're asking me this question because no matter how I answer it, people are going to get mad. Um, okay, so all terrible. The, Just say that. I I mean, PS4 and Xbox One generally stick to 30 frames per second, and they do it a lot better than Fallout 3 did on either console. Um, uh, our staff generally seemed to have some random frame rate hitching in both. Uh, one person had some pretty serious omnipresent issues on PS4 with just turning uh, and there being just huge frame rate stutters that was resolved somewhat by a patch. Um, I know that Digital Foundry is reporting that they're seeing major issues with their game on Xbox One loading into Diamond City. Uh, I've reviewed the footage I captured of the game, which is the first 20 hours, and did not experience those hitches. There's a like about a quarter second stutter for a second um, before it loads the city in or something, I guess. Um, but I, I did not see or experience the things that they're reporting in their time with the Xbox One version. But uh, I... The, the thing about Fallout, uh, and I guess this is to its credit perhaps, is that it's not a excessively frame rate dependent game most of the time. So the times that I got frame rate drops, it wasn't like in a Call of Duty game where a drop from 60 to 30 makes the game less responsive and more likely to kill you. Um, the uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not normally somebody who's bothered by the quote unquote Bethesda jank. But uh, I did. I, I have had fairly frequent uh, situations where, like, the interactions with quest objectives just won't appear until I quit and reload. Like the place I need to go to to interact with the thing, like the interaction prompt doesn't show up. I, I get that fairly frequently. Um, I didn't um, get that. I got one where sometimes subtitles don't appear for parts of conversations. Uh, I got one where a conversation would initiate with an NPC and their dialogue just wouldn't trigger for about 10 seconds, mm -hmm. which is really strange. Um, and I, for me, these issues have been largely isolated, uh, which is a, a sort of improvement from what a lot of people experience with three in new Vegas, I think, but they're still there. And, and I do think that, if you have absolutely no tolerance for that stuff in these games, then this game is still going to bug the crap out of you. Uh, like mm -hmm. if it, if it really killed your enjoyment of fallout three or Skyrim or new Vegas, then I don't, I think that that could very easily be the case in this game as well. Got a question from George Wilson it says, I stopped playing fallout three as soon as I left the vault because of how unappealing the post-apocalyptic world looked. Fallout four hype has me itching to pick it up. Will I just be turned off by a bland world again? It's almost winter, and I live in Chicago. If I wanted to view a wasteland, I would go outside. <laughs> uh, well, it's less windy in Fallout 4. Uh, yeah. I, it's, a free, it's frequently the most beautiful game that Bethesda has ever made. It's frequently the most colorful game that Bethesda has ever made. Um, but there are definitely times where it's dim and dank and dark. Uh, it rains a lot. Uh, there are storms. Um, there are parts of the world that in darkness look like fallout three did. I mean, the difference is that fallout three and to a slightly lesser extent, fallout new Vegas during the day had this extremely saturated sort of film effect on top where everything was black and yellow and green. 
and mm-hmm. that color balance is not in play in Fallout 4. It's a much more sort of saturated but colorful game. I think the color palette occasionally reminds me of Bioshock Infinite, that sort of like very intense blues and sort of faded reds and greens. Yeah, um, by and large, it seems like the people of post-apocalyptic Boston have their shit together a lot better than <laughs> uh, than than previous Fallout games. Like there, there are definitely some like established communities with like neon lights and you know that look kind of. I would say that uh, similar, I guess, to New Vegas in that regard, which I thought was a much more like pleasant environment, even if you know the 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 game itself was not as uh, as as good in my opinion uh, it's okay i, I think back, the, there's a lot more variety in everything that you're seeing than you saw in fallout 3 and i think a lot of that is attributable to just the console difference like the the amount of memory that they have uh i, I think that they put it to good use and making the world seem uh to have more variety how do the companions stack up compared to previous games regarding writing uh via work and side missions and that's from uh mark DeSanto. I think that they're much more interesting than they were in Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. And I know that in New Vegas in particular, there were certain companions, including the paladin voiced by Felicia Day, that certain people grew really attached to that had very interesting stories. Um, And those, to me, were the exception rather than the rule, especially in Fallout 3. There was really only one companion in Fallout 3 that I liked, uh, which was Fox. Um, Which was was that? uh, Fox was the super mutant. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Oh, Fox, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Fox, the very loud super mutant. Uh, So anyway, I I think that one of the interesting things is that uh, as you get companions and you will let a companion go back to to the settlement of your choice, which is a nice touch, you get to tell them where to go when you part ways from them temporarily, Uh, there's always an interaction between the new companion that you're taking with you and the one that's leaving for the time being. And that's sort of shines a light on on who they are uh and the relationships that they have between each other and over time as they're with you as you spend time with these people like they just really sort of tell you who they are they they let you know what they think of who you are uh and they can leave um and having those characters have motivations i think is a big step forward from uh from what i think fallout 3 and even new vegas tried to do and also there are honestly too many companions i think in fallout 4 that's maybe one of the only bad things that i that i would have to say about it is that there's a dozen i think yeah. that you can go through the game and get and it takes a while to get their quests going or at least it did with i've only found one of the quests that are associated with the companion right uh and it took a while to to get it to to get it going and i'm gonna be honest i haven't done a single companion quest yet like wow, really? in 60 hours. And maybe that's because I'm switching companions so often. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, sometimes you gotta, you're going to do some things that you know the person's not going to like. Yes. Like, hey, things are going to get dirty out here. You're not going to want to see what I'm going to do in the next hour or so. Also, going companions can be a good supplement to the stuff that you don't do. Like, uh, Valentine is is a companion. Uh, and He's the best companion, by the way. I like him a lot. Curious. I'm pretty partial yeah. to Hancock myself. But uh, Valentine is pretty good. Uh, Hancock is the guy dressed as John Hancock. Oh, I never got that fool. Oh, oh Man, God. See, we'll, I got a we'll have to talk after this. Okay. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. too much about the game. That makes it really hard, right? Because there's stuff that like, I don't want to miss stuff, but I also don't want to spoil things for myself. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I, I don't think anybody's ever going to be safe from fallout spoilers. I, 
I mean, so much of my my time with Fallout 4 isn't defined by the story, which is a lot better this time, uh, mind. But just the moments of exploring that world and seeing what it is and what it was. Uh, but as far as companions go, I, I think that they're, it's an embarrassment of riches that at times feels a little overwhelming. Um, so what advice, spoiler free, uh, what advice would you give to somebody who is playing Fallout 4? What what's the, sort of the best uh, uh, way for them to to absorb everything that they want to see, and what, what 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 one thing would you tell them as they begin playing today? I I think trying not to be objective minded when you're playing a Bethesda game is probably the best way to go, unless for unfortunate reasons you have to finish the game within a very specific amount of time to to make sure to be able to meet a deadline um i think that the best way is just to wander the wasteland and to discover things uh and to and and to weave yourself ways to get back like the the way that i tend to play is that if i see on my little compass that there's a structure or some kind of landmark off in the distance i'll walk toward it um and even if i'm not going to go into that structure having it on my map and found and being able to fast travel there means that later I can come back and really sort of explore that space. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about fallout four that we haven't touched on? We could honestly do this for a couple hours, but, uh, I, 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 I don't know what else we need to say that wouldn't be ruining that for people. Maybe we need to do like a, a, a spoiler episode of of quality control here in a bit, so everybody gets it out of their system. I think we would probably need to have more people on the podcast. I know that uh, I'm pretty sure Griffin has finished the not finished the game. Finishing the game is a hilarious overstatement, but has seen an ending. Uh, and there are probably one or two other people on staff who have as well. Can you elaborate on that at all? Um. I, one of the things that the people were asking me on Twitter is, uh, if the moral choices are less comically black or white or less clear or obvious. Uh, and the answer there is absolutely. They are, I really agonized over certain decisions and and actions I took toward the end of the game because I just wasn't sure how they were going to play out. Uh, it definitely forces you or not forces you, but allows you to work for different masters who have very different goals uh, and who all in their own way think that they're doing the right thing for everyone. Um, There's less overt absolute evil than I think is even present in fallout three. Like there's the enclave and the brotherhood of steel in fallout three and that's it. And here there are three or four major sort of elements, each politically, engaged with each other in a different way and eventually you're going to make choices that alienate some of those factions in in a permanent way and and i just wasn't sure how to get to what i knew i wanted to happen um and that was very nerve-wracking and unexpected in a game like this because it's not something bethesda has been especially good at to be totally honest um and i think that they they really nail that here. And also there are just some surprises in the story that I don't think I'd saw coming, which is also surprising because Skyrim and, and fallout both were nothing, if not excessively predictable. Mm-hmm. 
Arthur, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you go to lootcrate.com slash control and enter the code control. Save $3 off that subscription. We got a lot more stuff on Polygon, so uh, make sure you go check all of that out. Uh, until the next time we got a game to talk about for Arthur Geese, I'm Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.